Hello, and welcome to Smooth Scaling, the podcast from Insight Partners that helps revenue leaders scale their software companies at every stage of growth. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan, and today I'm speaking with Marcus Holm, Chief Revenue Officer at Forder, the trust platform for digital commerce that protects merchants during every stage of the customer lifecycle. If you had advice for a, a hyper-growth company a CEO maybe building out their sales function for the first time, where should they focus? I think if you're an early-stage startup CEO, it's imperative to hire a sales leader who's still hands-on and is comfortable being player coach. I've seen it played out where if you hire someone who's maybe not necessarily too senior or too seasoned because you still have people who can be 30, 40 years in their career and they still love to get on a prospect call and figure out how to do the dance, which is what you admire for that stage, try to find someone who's kind of early to mid-career, where it's like they know how to run a sales cycle, they've had demonstrated proven IC experience, ideally they've even had some management experience if you can find that person so that they can organically grow the team underneath them as you have success in your business. But I just would ensure that you get somebody who has enough technical aptitude to learn your product because they're going to be influential in shaping the ongoing enablement. But then they also have enough business acumen to engage with economic buyers and executive types. And they can be a face for you publicly at trade shows or partner events. And so it's just ensuring you kind of get a combination of the technical business acumen and not the ivory tower type where it's like they want to roll out. Here's the plan. Go execute it. But they're the type who will lead by example and say, anything I ask of you, I'm willing to do myself. So I'll work my network to find prospects and pipeline. I'll work on a few key deals with the sales team. Or if I'm the only salesperson, then I'll work with the founder. We'll do it together. Because oftentimes the founder can be kind of like the SC, like the super SC who comes in and can talk about, here's the problem I saw. Here's why I built this product. And here's why it's better than anything you've ever seen. But then the salesperson can focus on, okay, let's capture the feedback we got during discovery. Let's put a process together and let's nurture it through the stages to closure. And then once you just, you've established that pattern, and probably my favorite example of this is at Heptio, the Kubernetes founders, Craig and Joe, were the founders that came out of Google, brilliant engineers and product leaders. And in the early days of coming on, you know, Series B, sub 1 million ARR, Craig McCluckey, the CEO, and I would do a lot of sales calls together. And I was merely there to kind of frame up the discussion, ask some questions, try to identify what was the pain but then naturally defer to the founder, like, okay, now you do your tap dance routine because I have no idea what we do or how we do it. So I'm trying to learn from you. And then you pick up those sound bites as a sales leader because if you can regurgitate even semi-effectively what the founders say, you're gonna be in a great position. So when I'm hearing these stats or these problems he experienced that when he's at Google, when you achieve certain scale, I can use those as anecdotes when he's not around anymore. And I'm with an SCI I just hired who's trying to get trained and then the customer nods their head like, yeah, totally. I empathize with that. I experienced that same thing. And even though I've never been a developer in my life, I've got enough of these stowed away that I can pull from that I can cross-pollinate to the sales reps, to the sales engineers, to product marketing. And so it's critical that your initial sales leader hire is the type of person that can do those things and enjoy being in the trenches. You mentioned being exposed to founder-led selling in Series A and Series B companies. I see a lot of CEOs who are amazing in many respects, but in, in the go-to-market context around lead generation, right? They tend to be the the rainmaker bringing in the big new opportunities based on the relationships that they have, or as you described, the super 
SC, the super solutions consultant who, or slash sales engineer, who really just knows the ins and outs of the product, but also can map that to value. How do you help the CEO step kind of out of that role? Because, you know, otherwise it can be very difficult to scale your organization. It can be tricky. Absolutely. In fact, this is one of the top diligence questions that the VCs ask when you get to a certain stage of like, how much of your 10 million ARR came from founder selling versus from your sales team? Because that tells me, do you have a repeatable motion yet? Or are you just super popular and you're a celebrity and you're getting people to buy based on reputation? And so I've seen this play out several times, but I think generally speaking, what makes founders unique is They've got the audacity to create something from scratch and go disrupt the status quo. And their fundamental belief is if you build it, they will come. So if I've got this amazing product, I'm solving these issues, the phone will just ring off the hook. Now, reality sets in at some point and they realize like, oh, turns out I got to have not just the inbound, but the outbound motion going to be successful. And I think it varies by founder because a lot of them are product or engineering backgrounds. And so for them, the day-to-day monotony of having to do sales can be a bit of an allergy. Like it's a necessary evil for them to just get the ball rolling. But then oftentimes they're like, I'll hand you the keys by all means. Like you take this off my plate and go. But even in that situation, it's still their baby. You know, the pride of ownership over what they've built will always be there, which is what makes them so powerful. And that's why they're the founder. And so finding ways to still leverage them in key customer pursuits is imperative. And there's a lot of customers who want that. I mean, if you're going to sell to a Fortune 500, they often want to meet the founders and understand not only what is the current product, but what is the future state. Sell me the vision, the roadmap of where you're heading, because we want to make sure we converge as an organization with where you're going before we make the current investment. And so I've just found that it's, it's critical to keep the founders engaged in customer-facing pursuits but you have to kind of defer to them on their comfort level and desire for how engaged because some founders want to do five to 10 calls a week. Some would prefer to be reserved for those one or two. And I think it's just the collaboration and an understand a mutual understanding between the sales team and the founders of, of where you strike the balance. Is there a point where you've had to put process or gates in so that individual sales reps can't just go directly to the founders and say, you know, in that case, was it Craig? Hey, Craig, can you go join this call? At what point do you think it's appropriate to put those sorts of gates or processes in? Yeah, Jeremy, you're smirking because you already know the answer to it. You absolutely have to because salespeople are shameless and they'll leverage as many resources as, the, as they can get access to. And that's part of which makes the best reps the best reps is they have an extended team they pull from off the bench at the certain time in the sales cycle. So I'd say in the earlier stage companies I've been in, it's more typical, as I mentioned, that the founder can often be an Uber solution consultant and they're coming to most everything because they too want to hear how is my vision landing with the market. So they want personal hands-on exposure to that. Conversely, when you start to get later stage, like it was at Cloudera, where it was right before IPO, or you get to a forder, when you've got a massive sales organization, you've got lots of customers and lots of prospects and the pipeline's bustling and it's always evolving, you got to put gates in place to discern, is this the right size opportunity? Is there the right level of qualification and are there the right stakeholders on the customer side? Because for example, I would not want to introduce my CEO to an individual contributor or to a manager probably. I'd want to achieve alignment at the CXO level or the VP level to sort of help me get that executive sponsorship and mutual understanding of where we are and where we're going. 
And so oftentimes we've put things in place in my different roles where you have a, a prep document you fill out. And this also varies by founder, by the way. Like some like to have, so like when I was at Clutter, Mike Olson was a very thorough founder CEO. And then uh, Tom Riley came in as a CEO shortly after I got there. But he was an example of someone who's like, he's super meticulous and he wanted to know the current state of the customer, what product they're using, who's going to be in the meeting, what's their background, where they come from. So it was good. Like it was a thorough prep doc. Other founders, like you could spend the time on a prep doc, uh, going back to my Hecto example, and they could read a real quick glossary, like, yeah, whatever, let's just go have a conversation, see how it goes. And so I think that's another example, like not only do you have to get their input as to how often they want to be engaged, but it's like, how do they want to be prepared? And then your job is to be judicious about their time and you're kind of the gatekeeper. And so if it's not a certain stage opportunity or a certain size opportunity with certain personas on the customer side, you'd want to protect that from the founders. Let's say you're in a meeting, right, where you brought in your CEO and, and maybe you're there and your rep is there. What's the responsibility for you and your rep in that meeting? Yeah, you love asking the controversial question, <laughs> Jeremy. Hey, if I'm unemployed tomorrow, you have to help me find a job, all right? So I would just say this. I'd say my view is that the sales account team owns the meeting and the relationship, and they're pulling from a bench of cross-functional team members to get to victory. So my view is my role or the account executive's role in a meeting is to frame the discussion, do introductions, ask any initial questions that may be relevant to the discussion, and then defer to the founder or the CEO to get involved, give the overview, give the responses. But then the expectation is the sales team is taking notes. You're collecting what are the action items because then when the meeting's over, you want to have the sales team in a position where they can summarize the meeting minutes and say, okay, so as we discussed at the beginning of the meeting, our intent was blah, blah, blah. We aligned that we want to do these two or three things. So I will circle the wagons on our side. I'll come back to you by next Tuesday. Because you don't want to rely on founders or CEOs to have to do that stuff. I mean, moving the deal along through the process and owning the follow-ups is on the salesperson. And so if there is something that the founder committed to, you then oftentimes need to and should follow up with the founders. Say, hey, remember we met with Disney and you promised you're going to give them this little factoid? Or you'd introduce them to this other customer who had the same problem, can you please send a note? And and I try to make it as seamless as possible. Like, here's their email address. To, and I ghostwrite the email. Like, to this person, subject lines of this, here's the body email. So literally all they have to do is copy, paste into their email and send off. And I just find it's a lot more productive way to get them to follow through on those AIs. Well, Marcus, it was such a pleasure having you on to, to share the wisdom of your journey today. It was a pleasure being here, Jeremy. Thank you for hosting me. And I think in closing, I would just share that I know most salespeople are emotional type A creatures. We're very volatile and we ride the coaster. And I think especially in times like this with the recession looming, we can take it personally when we have a lack of success. But I just continue to reinforce that if you're doing the right activities and you're controlling what you can control and you've got a leadership team who can develop you and coach you and kind of inspire you to hang in there, good things can come. So don't give up too easily. I think the insecurity can easily set in where you just want to go get a fresh start because the grass is greener somewhere else, especially during the pandemic or recession where turbulence is everywhere. But like, I think for those people that can convince themselves, I have a good product, I have a good market opportunity, I work for a good company, I have a good leadership team who believes in me. If I just keep doing the right things, good things will happen. I think sometimes people surprise themselves when they punch through and they're like, ah, I'm so glad I stuck with it. When the temptation is, I'm going to leave before I fail. I don't want to fail. So 
I think it's it's very wise direction. Thanks again, Marcus. My pleasure. Happy New Year, Jeremy. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Smooth Scaling Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. For more information about the topics we discussed today, check out the Insight Partners blog at insightpartners.com slash blog. See you next time. <laughs>